Welcome to the Piloting the Jets podcast, your home of the New York Jets on the Pigskin Podcast Network. Now, here's your host, Neil Villapiano. J-E-T-S, Jets, Jets, Jets. You can tell by the tone of my voice how uh, thrilled I am after week one. But what is going on, Jets fans? It is, as always, your host, Neil Villapiano. And welcome to another edition of the Piloting the J-E-T-S podcast right here on the Pigskin Podcast Network, your number one spot to get everything you need to know about your New York Jets. As always, guys, thank you so much for taking time out of your day to check these episodes out. I greatly, greatly appreciate it. This is only episode number two. Last week, I did introduce the podcast and everything. And again, if you are just uh, finding this podcast, welcome. And we are going to be doing episodes every Tuesday. So I'm excited to do that. And basically, you know, throughout the season, it's going to be about just recapping the game before. You know, you know, giving my positives, negatives, all things like that. Any big time news to discuss, and also previewing and predicting uh, the following game coming up this upcoming week. And uh, you know, we have a lot to talk about here on this edition of the Piloting the Jets podcast. But before we get into that, just wanted to do another quick shout out to our sponsors at DraftKings Sportsbook, who sponsor this podcast and everything we do here at the Pigskin Podcast Network. Make sure, guys, as always, when you sign up for DraftKings, to use our promo code to get a nice offer from DraftKings, TPPN. And as always, tell them your boy, Neil Villapiano, sent you. And again, also, everything we do here at the Pigskin Podcast Network are sponsored by our other great friends at Raycon. And when you check out from Raycon to get your great earphones or, you know, ear pods, make sure to use our promo code TPPN to get 15% off your purchase. Again, for both promo codes, that's TPPN. And again, thank you to DraftKings and Raycon for sponsoring the Piloting the JETS podcast so ladies and gentlemen we are going to you know i'm going to quickly just give you a preview of what's to come for this episode we're going to kick things off with talking about Dwayne brown because we did get some unfortunate news this past week prior to the week one matchup we're also going to give you another update on zach wilson which is kind of a head scratching one and i'll give more of an explanation as to why i think it's head scratching uh, and obviously we're going to recap uh, the home opener, the season opener at MetLife against the Baltimore Ravens. Going to give you my positives and a lot of my negatives as well. And then we're going to wrap this up with a preview slash prediction of the week two matchup in Cleveland against the 1-0 Cleveland Browns. So, as always, guys, we have a bunch to get to here on the Piloting the JETS podcast. So let's not waste any more time and kick this one off. The NFL's opening week was action-packed, and it's just getting started. Get ready for week two of touchdowns, big plays, and even bigger wins with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. This week, new customers can bet just $5 on any football game and get $200 in free bets instantly. Want more action? Everyone, yes, 
everyone can experience the thrill of DraftKings early win promotion. It's simple. This Sunday, bet on any NFL team to win. If your team leads by 10 at any point during the game, you get paid instantly, even if your team loses. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use one of our promo codes, THPN, TBPN, or TPPN to get $200 in free bets instantly when you place a $5 bet on any football game. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the National Football League. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. So we'll kick things off with talking about Dwayne Brown. Now, on Sunday, the Jets placed their left tackle, Dwayne Brown, on injured reserve just prior to the opener against the Ravens. And he will be out at least four weeks. So he obviously missed week one against Baltimore, and he will miss the next three games at least for that. And he is... Uh, the first opportunity he'll have to play after being off IR, and again, this is all if he only, you know, if, if everything goes well, he will be available for the Week 5 matchup against the Miami Dolphins. Uh, he did suffer that shoulder injury on Monday, this past Monday, um, and was already ruled out of Week 1, and this is obviously a massive blow, and it's like you couldn't, you couldn't go even one week without having to face so much adversity. I mean, again, number one, Mekhi Becton's out for the year. Zach Wilson is out the first several weeks. And now the guy that you brought in to replace Mekhi Becton for the year and a several-time All-Pro and, and uh, Pro Bowler is now going to be out the first couple of weeks. So that just depletes what is what was already a depleted offensive line going into week one and going into the first couple of weeks. So leave it to the Jets to already uh, put themselves in a lot of adversity before the season even kicked off. And, you know, it was bad enough that we knew Mekhi Becton was, uh, excuse me, that um, Dwayne Brown was not going to play week one. But obviously you didn't want to get the news right before kickoff. Oh, yeah, Dwayne Brown's going to go on IR and is now going to be out for the first four weeks at least of the season. And again, this is with the this is with the expectation that he'll be healthy by the time week five goes around. And we we obviously don't know what's going to happen with that. But knowing the Jets and our bad luck all the time, uh, it, it it definitely you definitely think it's going to be a lot worse than just uh, four weeks. Um, the Jets ended up moving George Fant over to left tackle and started Max Mitchell, our rookie, at right tackle against the Ravens. And George Fant spoke when the decision was made for him to move back to left tackle that he was obviously pretty frustrated with the constant flip-flopping. He's been moved around to several positions over the past couple of weeks, over the past couple of you know seasons, and it's been very frustrating for him. But he did say that he's going to do the best he can to just adapt to it. Uh, Fant was originally a left tackle. So in, in, a, in, in kind of a good way, he already has that experience, but it's not ideal that we not, you know, not ideal that we had to start uh, Mitchell at right tackle as a rookie, but you know what, if he's going to become a really good offensive lineman, the only way he's going to do that is by getting on the field. So that's the only good thing I could take from it, but you knew going right into the game that the offensive line was already pretty well depleted and you were just hoping that maybe it would be uh, decent enough to protect Joe Flacco and maybe establish some stuff as the game went along. But nonetheless, a very, very frustrating blow to the Jets offensive line, especially for the guy that was supposed to come in 
to, you know, fill in for Mekhi Becton for the season. And now he's out. So, you know, we'll, we'll see what the Jets decide to do. I did mention this in the last episode. We were talking about how the Jets restructured C.J. Mosley's contract, where they have a pretty good amount of cap space uh, right now, you know, into the season. And I do wonder if the Jets are going to start to look to maybe find somebody to help out either on the left side or maybe even on the right side to give Max Mitchell uh, a little bit of a break from not being complete, having his confidence be completely shot when going up against some of the best defensive ends and defensive tackles in the game, depending on the certain situation. But at the end of the day, the Jets will once again have to adapt to another frustrating blow. And we'll see. Um, and again, obviously, we'll talk more about the offensive line from week one, and we'll see what they can do and how they can progress moving forward. It's just frustrating because you also want to build chemistry. And uh, obviously, that's just not going to happen. But hopefully, the guys who are in there and healthy can certainly uh, try to make a difference as we move forward in the season. But yes, Dwayne Brown. Uh, with the shoulder injury, is was placed on IR and will be out until at least week number five. And we'll see if it's just until week five or something different. Now, the next thing I wanted to talk about was, again, talking about Zach Wilson. If you remember in our last episode, uh, Robert Sala had talked about the fact that Zach Wilson had been practicing. And there was speculation, including from Sala himself, him talking to the media, that there was a chance that Zach Wilson could be healthy enough to play week one. And it was kind of like a crazy thing to say, how did we go from where it definitely looked like he was going to be out the first couple of games to now all of a sudden he's ready to go week one, potentially? very head scratching and things got even more head scratching when we got to Wednesday, when the Jets said that they were going to announce who would be the starting quarterback, that they announced that not only Zach Wilson was not going to play and that Joe Flacco was going to be the starter, but that Zach Wilson would still be out until at least week four. And again, that's where you scratch your head and you say, why was Zach Wilson ever even considered to play in this game? And then you flip it and go back to saying, oh, he's going to be out a couple of weeks. And Robert Sala said it after getting all the information and stuff. So I don't know exactly what went through the minds of the Jets and everybody during this situation. The good news is, obviously, is that Zach Wilson is practicing. He's not necessarily practicing with the team, but he is throwing routes to throwing balls to receivers who are running routes and, you know, taking baby steps. And they're trying very hard to... Um, to keep him as healthy as possible. And it does make you worry that he missed several games last year due to this, due to an injury and he's dealing with the same leg injury now. And now you're having two injuries on the same part of your body. You do wonder about the long-term durability of your perceived to be franchise quarterback. <clears throat> and so at the end of the day, it's a very frustrating um, and also very confusing situation as well. Because again, why were we being told that there was a possibility that Zach Wilson would play when in all reality, none of us, none of us believed it really. It was more of a shocker. And I remember talking to some other Jets fans and we were all in agreement that, look, it's not like the Ravens were going to try to change their game plan. The Ravens were smart enough to know that, look, Joe Flacco is going to start. So let's just keep practicing with the idea that Joe Flacco is playing. And even if Zach Wilson is playing, he's going to be very limited due to the fact he's still recovering from his injury. Uh, Salah said that basically they're going to, they, they felt that it was um, the best thing for Wilson and his health to not play and to not play for the next couple of weeks. So again, 
at the end of the day, nothing has really changed with regards to Zach Wilson and when he'll come back. It's just, again, going to be about he won't play this week against Cleveland. He won't play in week three. And then after that, it's about just kind of touch and go to see where Zach Wilson is and go from there. And obviously, if you're the Jets, you want to try to do the best you can without your supposed franchise quarterback. But at the end of the day, I think it's kind of a bad look that early in the week you made us all speculate and you even you, you it's not like it's not like Salah denied it from the start that you know Zach Wilson wasn't going to play. He left the door open to say that you know what there is the chance that Zach Wilson could play week 1. And it would have been more reasonable if you if you got to the middle of the week and you said, okay, Zach Wilson won't play this week, but there's a really good chance he could play next week. Okay, so then you could say he's progressing really well and that he's actually ahead of the schedule and things like that. But you end up going from there's the potential that he could play to he's back to his original timeline. So what the hell are we doing here? Like, why is it, why did it get to that point? Like, why was there, a, and this is obviously something that we'll never really know the answer to, but again, just very frustrating, and it just leads, at the end of the day, the end result is the same that it was two weeks ago. Zach Wilson will be out until week four with this injury, and then they'll just have to go from there and see if he'll be fully healthy, and what can he actually do once he, get back, once he gets back under center for the Jets, so... Zach Wilson still out until at least week four, and uh, we'll see what happens once we get uh, to the point where he uh, theoretically should be ready to go. I got a story to tell you. Lately, I've been listening to a lot of One Republic and Coldplay, my two favorite bands 100% of my lifetime, and it's been great. And one reason it's been great to listen to them, other than the fact that they are great bands, is because I use my Raycon wireless earbuds to do it. Raycon's everyday earbuds look, feel, and sound better than ever. With optimized gel tips for the perfect in-ear fit, these earbuds are so comfortable and they will not budge. Trust me, I've tried. They do not budge at all. Raycon's give you eight hours of playtime and a 32-hour battery life. Raycons are priced just right. You get quality audio at half the price of other premium audio brands. It's no wonder why Raycons Everyday Earbuds have over 50,000 five-star reviews. And they have a bunch of additional features. One example is noise isolation. This is something that we all crave. We want to block out as much of the outside noise as possible, whether we're listening to music, podcasts, audiobooks, whatever. Raycon offers great noise isolation, and also three customizable sound profiles just to give you the right, almost perfect level of noise that you want to have in your earbuds. Honestly, guys, Raycon is the best earbud company out there, and you guys got to check out this offer that we have for you. Go to buyraycon.com slash THPN today to get 15% off your Raycon order. That's buyraycon.com slash THPN to score 15% off. Buyraycon.com slash THPN. An offer you don't want to miss out on. And now we come to our recap of the home opener, the season opener, week one against the Baltimore Ravens. And when I was previewing this game last week, if you listen to the episode, I was 
Definitely talking about the fact that the Jets could potentially pull off an upset. I didn't think it was going to happen. I said that they would lose, you know, 24 to 21. And half of my prediction was correct as the Ravens did score 24 points. Uh, what I didn't take into consideration was how bad the offense really was on Sunday. And I was there. I was sitting up in the nosebleeds in the 300 section. Um you know, at this game, was excited to be there for week one and be in the tailgate. And there was there was definitely some energy. There was definitely some energy. You know, obviously, it's not great that the weather was was really bad. It was just raining all day, which was not great. Um, it was mostly packed. You could definitely see in the lower bowl that it was packed. Uh, there were some empty seats up at the top, but nothing to be cons- nothing that would really make it point out so directly. And there was a good amount of Ravens fans who some came from Baltimore, some that grew up in Jersey. Hell, two. Two people that I went to the game with were Ravens fans. So again, you know, I was and I was sitting in a section that was mostly Ravens fans. So not ideal circumstances, um, but something you got to deal with. Um, and the Jets did not do a lot to really help uh, the situation when it came to the unfortunate circumstances with the weather and all that, as they end up losing Week One at home in in some degrees, kind of an embarrassing way as they lose 24 to nine. And just seeing the fact that they could have gotten at least 10 points and they didn't due to special teams is very frustrating. And we'll talk about that a little bit more because I want to get into the negatives of this game. Uh, First and foremost, when talking about the offense, despite the fact that they actually ended up with over 300 yards of total offense, actually pushing well over 350, The Jets really couldn't move the ball, especially when it came to the passing game. The offensive line, as I was worried about, struggled. And you could see the chemistry wasn't there. You could see that there was a level of intimidation. And Joe Flacco not being the mobile quarterback, you know, he's standing in that pocket. And that pocket is shrinking very, very quickly. And instead of the Jets' offensive line forcing the DNs to take more of a much wider uh, route to try to get to Flacco. They went inside and the Jets O-line just could not contain it. So the Jets offensive line from a passing perspective was really, really not good. I mean, it really was a uh, difficulty. Um, I will say as a semi-positive that the offensive line for running game was actually relatively good. So that is a positive, and that kind of leads me to one of the key factors that I'm going, one of the keys to the game that I have for the Jets going into week two against Cleveland that we'll talk about a little bit later in the episode. But yeah, the offense, despite putting up over 300 yards of total offense, barely got, you know, could not score. And they got close once or two times. And yes, they did score, but it was in garbage time. And there was just so much that. It, it just got boring from the Jets' perspective on offense. They just couldn't move the ball very much. And it really wasn't that the Ravens were doing a whole lot to stop the Jets' offense. It was that the Jets were stopping themselves with certain play calling, too many drop passes, especially from Corey Davis. Very frustrating to the point where you're in the third quarter and it was already done. I mean, I know for a fact that some Jets fans left at halftime because even though you're down 10-3, to 3, you knew the offense just wasn't going to be capable of doing a whole lot. And it was a tiny bit of a surprise because of the fact that I have seen how the Jets have usually reacted to when Joe Flacco's in the game. But I think on Sunday, what it just proved is something that we all just knew anyway, is that Joe Flacco being near, you know, in his late thirties is just not, it's just too old. He's just not that good anymore. 
And it's more of a drag to have him out there because you could just clearly see that God, that things are just not going to work out well. And this offensive line, especially in the passing game, not being good enough to hold even some of the, even some half decent uh, defensive linemen and linebackers, Joe Flacco is just going to have very little time to make plays. And he's going to make mistakes. And he made a couple of bad mistakes. He threw an interception that ended up resulting in a field goal, which was more of a good job on the defense than anything else. But at the end of the day, Joe Flacco wasn't, you know, anything spectacular. He finished completing 37 of his 59 passes. And the reason he got the 59 was because the Jets got behind early and felt the sense of panic that they needed to get their offense going. And the passing game just wasn't there. And I saw from Rich Samini. Uh, he actually tweeted out that this was the most passing attempts that a Jets quarterback has had since the Jets lost that game to the Giants on Christmas Eve. If you remember the Victor Cruz game where he had the 90 plus yard touchdown from his own end. So that was the last time that any Jets quarterback had 50 or more passing attempts in a game. And Joe Flacco, while throwing just over for 300 yards, threw one touchdown to Tyler Conklin, but again, in garbage time, and he didn't throw an interception. And I do remember the Jets fans, including myself, to an extent, chanting, you know, we want Mike, we want uh, Mike, which we were chanting, we wanted Mike White. Um, because at that point, I was kind of like, you got nothing to lose, right? At that point, you know you're not going to win the game. You might as well see what, what Mike White can do. Maybe it gives you some confidence moving into week two against Cleveland. But uh, again, you know, Joe Flacco stayed there the whole time, and he could not get his revenge against his former team. And the last thing, the last major negative that I will say is this. Greg Zerline was not Greg DeLeg this week. He was dreadful. Number one, he missed a field goal that, in my opinion, was chip shot. I know the weather was not great, but still, I think he should have made it. And he also missed the one extra point attempt that he had in the game. And that was kind of adding insult to injury that, yeah, the Jets finally scored a touchdown when it didn't matter, and Zerline shanked an extra point. So, obviously, he left four points on the board, and that certainly wouldn't have made a difference that much in the game as it would have resulted in 13 instead of 9. But it's just those little things that I've seen in years past with the Jets that they, for some reason, cannot do right. And that infuriates me because this is the fundamentals of playing football. And it just, it's a mind boggling. Greg Sermon has been one of the more consistent kickers for years. And he was bad in this game. He was bad. And that was frustrating to see that there were simple things. The Jets finally had a good drive. They got stuffed on third down. So they attempt a 30 plus yard field goal attempt and Zerline misses it. And it was just like, you know, you would think with a reliable kicker like Zerline that we finally got a reliable kicker that we'd be that we would be good. But Zerline was as bad as any USFL kicker I saw this past spring in week one. Like that's how bad uh, Greg Zerline was. So I know that that wasn't the biggest reason we lost the game. And in many ways, it didn't matter that much, considering, again, it was just four points. But it's those little things that end up embarrassing you in many ways and makes you feel even more frustrated that this team is not going in the right direction. And that was kind of the thing. I don't think Jets fans' uh, expectation for week one was that we were going to do like massive damage, but you could at least look like a team that was competent in some degree. And the only competent side of this entire football team was the defense, especially in the first half. 
And we'll talk about that in just a second. But those are my negatives. The offense, despite the fact having over 300 yards of total offense and doing relatively well on the ground, just couldn't produce much of anything. O-line struggled. Flacco definitely was showing his age. And Greg Zerline and special teams, even the punting game was frustrating after a while. You know, you're punting the ball from your own 10. Guy shanks it and Ravens start at the 50-yard line. I mean, you're just shooting yourself in the foot. And that's where, in some ways, I agree with Robert Saul when he said that the, the Ravens didn't beat them, that the Jets kind of just screwed themselves. And in many ways, he's right about that. But these are simple, correctable things that you're hoping that the Jets coaching staff can actually you know, put into the minds of these players so that they don't make these mistakes. I know they're a young team, but come on. You also have guys who have been in the league before that need to get this corrected. So... Those are my negatives from this week one loss against the Ravens. So now we go to my positives. And there was actually a couple. There were, you know, I, I try, I'm, I'm really going to try very hard to, you know, even in, even in ugly games um, to take positives and negatives from each week, just so that, you know, I'm not all negative because as we know, the Jets find great big time ways to, to make it feel like it's all negative. Uh, the first positive was that again, the defense really fed off the energy the Jets crowd was giving was giving them what we were giving them in the first half. Gave up just 10 points. It was 3-0 for the longest time. And it was just like the defense was saying, come on, offense. We're giving you a chance. And the defense just kept getting on the field, getting on the field quickly off, you know, more and more and more. And you saw in the second half that the Jets defense started to burn out, even though they were still making some plays here or there. I don't think, you know, Lamar Jackson didn't do anything spectacular in this game. I mean, you had that one great touchdown grab, which was phenomenal. And it was just one of those situations where it wasn't bad defense, just a better touchdown reception. And it, again, the defense put the offense in position where they could actually win this game. And if the Jets offense had been clicking, this game would have been a lot different. But yes, the defense is definitely been improved from the year before. And it doesn't surprise me with Robert Saul being a defensive coach that his defensive, you know, game plan and everything like that. And the way the, the Jets play on defense is really good. And the offense is sputtering. So that's kind of the first positive I would take that the defense really played well. And if they keep playing like this, they're at least giving us a shot to maybe get a couple of wins. that maybe we're not necessarily deserving of winning. So that was one positive. Another positive was actually Michael Carter, who I think a lot of people were surprised had more looks than Brees Hall in this game. I mean, everybody's talking about Brees Hall, this, Brees Hall, that. I mean, hell, I have him as Offensive Player of the Year going into the season. Michael Carter seemed to take all of that and took it with massive exception. He ended up carrying the ball 10 times for 60 yards, and he had a couple of good breakout runs. And the, the offensive line, like I mentioned before, was actually relatively good when it came to running the football. So that was kind of a good way to look at it with regards to the offensive line and also Michael Carter that it actually that we actually had success running the football. And that's something to keep, you know, keep in mind, you know, going into week number two. Uh, next one is talking about um, talk about Wilson. I mean, he's definitely looking like a threat. Garrett Wilson is looking like a threat at wide receiver. He had four catches for 52 yards and he had that one big play where Joe Flacco under pressure. You know, he's about to be sacked. He throws it, you know, off his back foot, across the field where it's like a, a, a lame duck. And Garrett Wilson catches it. And not only that, he ends up juking out two two defenders and almost gets the first down. 
which I argue that it was a first down. He was tackled right at the first down marker. Refs did a poor job of marking the football, and the Jets should have gone for it because that was a momentum play right there. You had the energy, you had the momentum in that moment, and you still decided to punt the freaking football away. And that, again, is the type of stuff that is going to prevent the Jets from taking that next step forward. You have to get aggressive. You have to. I mean, look at the Giants in week one against the Titans. You know, they score a touchdown. They need an extra point to tie. And Brian Dable, in his first game as Giants coach, decides, screw that. We're going for the win. He goes for two. They get it. They take the lead. And obviously, with the help of Randy Bullock shaking a field goal, the Giants won the game. And that could be a huge momentum thing for the rest of the season. The Jets did not do that in this game. They had chances where they could They had opportunities to go for it, like in that moment. And they didn't. So, again, a very frustrating thing. But going back to the positive here, Garrett Wilson definitely showed flashes of being a really big threat to be a number one receiver long term. And, you know, once he really gets into, you know, his body and really gets himself going, he's going to be a major threat. And I think seeing those jukes and seeing his shiftiness just proved that. So a relatively solid game for Garrett Wilson in, in, uh, in his rookie debut. Now, here's kind of a funny one funny positive is that uh, the Jets actually ended up scoring more points than the Green Bay Packers or Dallas Cowboys. Uh, the Packers had just seven points. They scored one touchdown against Minnesota and the Dallas Cowboys uh, put up one field goal the entire game, losing to the Buccaneers at home. So again, if uh, Zerline had made the extra point and the field goal that he missed, the Jets would have actually ended up having more points than Green Bay and Dallas combined. Instead, they have one point less combined. But still, I, I don't know if you want to take that as a long-term positive. Uh, but now considering the fact that Dak Prescott is out the next six to eight weeks, you kind of wonder to yourself how good or how bad the Dallas Cowboys offense is going to be throughout the rest of the season. And then with Green Bay and Aaron Rodgers, I mean, you got Rodgers, but who the hell is he throwing it to? Um, so that's kind of a funny slash half serious positive to look at that the Jets still actually ended up scoring more points than either one of those teams who are considered to be much bigger threats to do damage in the playoffs than where the Jets are. So that was that was a positive. And the final positive comes on a very somber note. Fortunately, uh, DJ Reed, he got a pick late in the second half. It was a great leaping interception when Lamar just kind of threw it up in the air, kind of 50-50 ball, made a great play. And then he uh, actually celebrated by going into the middle of the field, went down on both knees and put his arms out with the ball in one of his hands and kind of just like looked up to the heavens. And I saw a lot of people uh, reacted immediately as, why is he celebrating when we're getting our ass kicked? Why are we celebrating when we're getting uh, blown out? That's really ridiculous and everything like that. A lot of people jump to conclusions right away. Well, it turns out that later on that day, later on that evening, we found out that his, uh, his father, uh, Reed Sr., had unfortunately passed away just before the game, literally minutes before the game, after an 18-year battle with MS. And that's what DJ Reese said. And he said he was crying as he was coming out of the locker room. He was crying when he national anthem. And he had to try to figure out a way to focus himself on playing this game and trying to do the best that he could. The other kind of sad thing is that he and his girlfriend are expecting their first child soon. And DJ Reed talked about to the media how um, he was really excited for his dad to be a granddad. And unfortunately, that's not going to happen. 
Uh, Reed also said he's going to dedicate this entire season to his father. Um, so I just want to say, you know, my thoughts and prayers are with DJ and his entire family during this horrific time. I cannot imagine what he must be going through in these past 24 hours. Um, we'll be 48 by the time you guys are listening to this episode. Um, and from all of us at Jets at uh, Gangrene Nation, we want to send our thoughts and prayers and our love to DJ Reed. And hopefully he can uh, get through this difficult time and, uh, you know, go from there. But yeah, it was, it's definitely, you, you definitely, that's when you know, like football gods exist in many ways, because he was just put in the right position to make a play. He was able to make it on defense to get a pick for the Jets defense. And, you know, you can understand now why he, you know, celebrated like that. Yeah, he could have gone to the sidelines and done it, but it was kind of like a, you know, initial, you know, immediate reaction type thing in the moment type reaction. So he had to do it and he did it. So again, um, thoughts and prayers go to Reed and his family and rest in peace to uh, Reed Sr., who again died uh, after an 18 year battle with MS. I mean, 18 years, that is quite the battle. And um, it's obviously very sad to see. But I did also want to point out one other positive from DJ Reed. He and Sauce Gardner, obviously, Sauce Gardner getting his first start in the NFL in his rookie year, uh, making his Jets debut, well, his official Jets debut. Uh, he and Sauce Gardner together played very well in that secondary. Uh, they were targeted combined. This is from Pro Football Focus. They were combined, targeted nine times, gave up one catch in total for eight yards. So you can see the secondary is actually starting to come together for the long term. You could see DJ Reed played well, got that interception. Sauce Gardner did a good job of really being that number one lockdown, you know, corner that we need. And he kind of did a very good job. So if this is the type of results we're going to get from these guys, our secondary is going to be good long term. So those are the positives that I took away from this game. So there are some things you can look at and say that there were good. But at the end of the day, a loss is a loss. And the biggest question mark is where does this offense go from here, knowing what we know and everything like that. So we shall see. So the fourth and final thing I wanted to do here on this edition of Piloting the JETS podcast is obviously previewing slash doing my prediction for week two's matchup against Cleveland coming up this Sunday, the 18th. So again, it will be in Cleveland. So the Jets' first chance on the road will be the Cleveland Browns' home opener this Sunday, the 18th at 1 p.m. Eastern. Uh, the Browns are coming off beating their former quarterback, Baker Mayfield, and the Carolina Panthers by the score of 26 to 24. So that was a very close game in which the Browns were kind of blowing it at the end there, but were able to still get away, get, you know, come away with the victory, um, which, you know, again, a win is a win. So now the Browns will look to try to go to 2 0 um, as they take on our beloved Jets uh, in their home opener. Let me go through the. Um, the keys to the game for the Jets defense. I have two keys to the game for both the offense and defense. Um, I also will just say this right away. Um, uh, special teams keys to the game, make your extra points, make your field goals, and punt half decently. If you do all that, I will not have to talk about this in episode number three. But going back to the, the defensive keys, first one is got to force uh, Jacoby Percent to throw early. Uh, when he's in a panic, especially more than most quarterbacks, when he is under pressure, he immediately tries to throw it away. He does not, he, he is not a type of guy that will just take the sack. He is going to try to make a play regardless. So if you could force that ball out early from Jacoby Percent, 
more likely than not, you're going to be able to force at least one, maybe two turnovers. And especially because the Jets defense really did a good job in the first half of locking, of not really locking down, but really kind of frustrating the Ravens offense with the amount of weapons that they have, especially a quarterback. Uh, you're kind of getting a little bit better of a matchup, at least from the quarterback position with Jacoby Brissett in there. So that's going to be, that's going to be the, one of the biggest keys for me. The other one is you got to find a way to slow down Nick Chubb. Um, the Jets, when it came to the running game, other than Lamar Jackson, they actually did a decent job of slowing down the running. Now, I know that J.K. Dobbins wasn't playing, and that might have gone into decision when it came to play calling for the Ravens offense. And when it came to running the football, they probably they went with Lamar a lot more than than they maybe would have liked, liked to. But, you know, that's how it goes. But the Jets got to find a way to slow him down because you're not going to completely stop him. Although that would be best case scenario that you just shut him down from the get go. But if you're able to get into those holes, react just a little bit quicker before Nick Chubb gets that ball, you're giving yourself at least a shot to only give up a one or two yard gain as opposed to him getting into the getting into the line, you know, the uh, through the offensive line and into the second level to uh, get, you know, seven, eight, nine yards a clip. So that's going to be the thing for me. You got to force Brissett to throw that ball early when they throw the ball, and you got to find a way to slow down Chubb. And I think that if the, like I said before, DJ Reed and Sauce Gardner can have another great performance like they did in week one, it's going to just create a better opportunities for this team to make plays, get some sacks, and hopefully force some turnovers that could potentially help us. Because again, with the offense being as stagnant as it is right now, the defense is going to have to, oh, in some ways, become the offense where they got to they got to give the Jets an even better opportunity on offense to run it. You know, get good field position, things like that. Force three and outs to at least give the offense, like they were in the first half of last week against Baltimore, a shot to score some points. Now, on the offensive side of the ball, the first thing for me is get the ball in get the ball more in the hands of Michael Carter and Brees Hall. I would like to see Brees Hall get a couple more carries this week, but I would certainly like to see Michael Carter get, you know, between 15 and 20. I think that it's become very obvious that the passing game is going to be a work in progress. And because of the fact that Joe Flacco is not going to be the starter the entire year, I think you definitely have to, you know, start running the football more because again, the offensive line proved itself to be good when it came to running the football. The Jets honestly could have gotten to 100 yards if they had the opportunity to run the ball more. Um, but regards to the passing, it's still struggling. Pass blocking is just really, 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 really bad right now. So I would like to see them try to establish the run early and often. I know that that goes against my own beliefs about, you know, ground and pound. But I think the Jets have to run their offense with the players they have on the field. That's the mark of a good coach, putting your players in the best possible position to succeed. And to me, th this is the identity of the Jets offense, at least for right now, until one of, you know, Mike White comes in because he could give us a little bit more athletic ability and a little bit better of an arm. Or it's obviously when Zach Wilson comes back at at least week four and, you know, we could kind of go from there. So that would be the first thing. Get the ball more in the hands of Michael Carter and Brees Hall. Now, this goes against what I just said, but it's still important. Got to start opening up the passing game more and spread out the Browns secondary. You saw it in week one against Carolina that the Browns really struggled when the Panthers offense started to do a little bit of no huddle, a little bit of that spread offense. They have a little bit of trouble when it comes to dealing 
with speed. And the Jets do have some speed with Braxton Berrios, Garrett Wilson, even Davis to an extent. You know, they have guys that can create some speed. And if you could spread the ball out a little bit more, get these guys to actually catch the ball, because that would that's the whole point of it, you're giving yourself a chance to do that. And here's the thing. If you're starting off the game trying to establish the run, eventually the Browns defense is going to start thinking, oh, they're going to run it three, you know, two out of the three downs. And that's where you start doing play action. That's where you start getting one-on-one matchups and man coverage. And you're able to maybe take some shots, spread the spread the ball around a little bit and get it going. And if that also means getting uh, Brees Hall and Michael Carter out of the backfield to be, you know, pass catchers out of the backfield, then do that. That's what I'm asking Mike LaFleur to do this week. Try to be a little bit more creative with his passing calls, spread it out a little bit more, force these guys into a track meet in the secondary. That's the best way I would look at it in order to have success this week. And if they can, and if the offensive line can protect a little bit better on the passing game, you know, the Joe Flacco, who, yes, he will make mistakes, but he also is a very calm quarterback in that pocket. And, and I feel like if you give him enough time, eventually he's going to find somebody. I mean, that can be said for any quarterback, but still. So those are my keys to the game for both the offense and the defense. Now, as far as the prediction is concerned, uh, according to DraftKings, again, use our promo code TPPN at sign up. The Jets are going into week two as a plus six and a half point underdog, which is actually not that bad considering how rough the offense was in week one for the Jets. Uh, do I think it is possible that the Jets can pull off an upset? I think so, especially with Jacoby Brissett at quarterback. I know he's a relatively reliable one, but still, if you can do the things on defense that I said, I think you give yourself a fighting chance, even if the offense improves just a tad bit. But I think with all of that being said, I have a tough time seeing the Jets getting this win on the road. I do see the offense uh, getting better. And uh, obviously correcting some stuff. And hopefully the weather is better for this week. But I do have the Jets losing this one by a touchdown, 20-13. to 13. I think the defense will continue to improve, continue to play as well as it did in week one. They'll make some plays. I wouldn't be surprised if the Jets put the offense in some good positions where they could actually score some points. But I just continue to have a tough time wondering how good, how consistent, and how many good plays the Jets can actually do on offense, especially with Joe Flacco and the offensive line being some question marks. So let me know what you guys think. Do you agree with anything I said? Do you disagree? What are your opinions? Let me know again on Twitter at pilot uh, to pilot jets pod on Twitter and just interact with me. And yeah, guys, obviously a frustrating and disappointing and in some cases embarrassing week one loss. And all we can hope for is that the jets can correct some of the things that they corrected and, uh, you know, try to have a better performance and maybe even try to pull off an upset win in week two here against the Cleveland Browns.